0: welcome to the wellness and wanderlust podcast we're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal i'm your host valerie moses let's get started hey hey wellness and wanderlust fam i am so excited to have you join me for episode 101 of the podcast For nearly two years, we've been dedicated to helping listeners create the lives of their dreams through small, actionable steps. It has been such a fun journey, and I'm so grateful to each and every one of you for tuning in. If you're new here, I'm so happy you found the show. In case you missed it, be sure to check out episode 100 of the podcast that aired last week. I sat down with my friend Cynthia Velasco for a very special 100th episode where we turned the tables and she interviewed me. If you'd like to get a little more insight on the show and our mission here, it's a really fantastic conversation, and I had such a fun time recording with her. I also wanted to share that I was recently featured on the Employee to Boss podcast. My friend Haley Hayhurst, who appeared on episode 98 of this show, invited me onto her show to talk about prioritizing wellness while juggling your 9 to 5 and your side hustle. It was really fun to share some of my favorite organizational tools, self-care tips, and how corporate life and creative work can actually intersect in our lives. Be sure to check it out. I've linked the episode in the show notes, but you can find it wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening right now. Now I'm so excited to introduce you to this week's guest, Deanna Yates. Deanna Yates is the founder and CEO of Wanna Be Clutter Free and the host of the popular podcast, The Wannabe Minimalist Show, one of my favorites, where she helps busy families learn how to let go of the stuff holding them back so they can enjoy more time together, stop spending their weekends cleaning house, and go after the life they really want to be living. In our conversation, we talk about why letting go of the stuff in our homes can help us improve our overall wellness and ways we can adopt a more minimalist lifestyle. Deanna shares tips for creating intention in each space of your home, tips for getting your family family. family on board, systems we can put in place to live with less clutter, and so much more. I've been really focused on decluttering in my own life right now, so I found this conversation to be especially helpful for me personally, and I know you will too. Our sponsor for today's episode has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because my doctor recommended I start incorporating greens into my morning routine. And I wanted to cut back on some of the many vitamins I take with breakfast. I work in community engagement and PR, so I'm on the go quite a bit and time is a luxury. With one scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. I take AG1 every morning before breakfast, and it's great for digestion and gut health, energy, and immune health. AG1 is lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, and no nasty chemicals. AG1 has high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb, and it's a great way to take care of yourself with a busy lifestyle. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com wanderlust. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Wanderlust to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, friends, now on to today's show. Hi, Deanna, thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust today. Hi, Valerie, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. I'm a huge fan of your show and what you're doing, and I'm personally in my own decluttering journey, so I'm very, very excited to really dive in today. Before we do that, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about you and what you do?
1: Sure. So, my name is Deanna Yates. And, like you mentioned, I have my own podcast. It's called Wanna Be Minimalist. And basically, what I do is I help busy moms mostly, but just pretty much anybody who is looking to kind of lighten their load and just get rid of all of that stuff that's been holding them back in life. And so that could be physical stuff generally uh, is where most people start, but it's also emotional stuff and, you know, relationships that maybe might be holding you back. And so just kind of learning how to uh, let that go so that you can live your full and vibrant life that you have been dreaming of really. Well, I absolutely love that, and as I mentioned, I've been
0: kind of decluttering and unloading a lot of that physical stuff right now, just trying to make my apartment into a little bit more of a home and more of that sanctuary, but also because I notice almost physical symptoms when I walk (laughs) into a room where there's piles and piles of stuff, and so I'd love to know, first of all, how did you get into that? What started you along this path of minimalism and organization? Sure. Uh, Well, I get that
1: feeling of overwhelm when you see the clutter, like the piles of clutter. I am definitely one of those people. I wouldn't say like I have a super low threshold when it comes to clutter. I can deal with some, but I definitely can't deal with lots of stuff. And so for us as a family, it started when I would say, Our daughter was born. So, like I said, I help a lot of moms because I think they relate to the story that, you know, you your little one comes home and you know, you want to provide this place for them, but babies come with so much stuff. And we definitely had that happen. But we also were starting a business at the time. My husband and I had a business together. So it was kind of a baby business, and then we had a real baby at the same time. And we were working from home, and I said to my husband one day. Like, we could do this from anywhere. Like, we never leave this apartment. Like, we go for walks and stuff, but really, you could take the three of us and put us anywhere in the world and it would pretty much be the same thing every day. And so we kind of came up with a plan that by the time she turned one, we wanted to leave and travel. So we did. We traveled for six months. Um, we spent a month at a time in a different Airbnb in Europe. And it allowed us to slow travel. So we got to kind of experience the culture of each place a little bit. And also, we sold 90% of the stuff we owned when we did that. So we figured out that we didn't need all of this stuff that everyone said we needed when you had a baby. I mean, literally we had our daughter, a travel crib. I carried her. Well, we both carried her, but we had like a, you know, we would wear her as a baby and you know, we didn't really need much else. Like she was one, so she was eating and you didn't need all the stuff people said you did. And then when we came back and we settled down, we, we kind of forgot that. And we started filling our house up with stuff and weren't really very methodical about how we brought things in. And so once that clutter started piling up, that was when we were like, okay, this is the problem. Like this is not going to work out. And so we, Ended up moving again. We've moved lots and lots and lots of times, but we moved again for a career in a uh, career shift in Chicago, which we have since left because now I'm in San Diego or we are in San Diego. But that time, once we moved, we were like, okay, we're going to be really cognizant about what we let into our house. And that was kind of how we got into this idea of minimalism and organizing and just being intentional about. The life we wanted to live and how our stuff actually kind of corresponded to that. First
0: of all, I think that I have so much envy for, you know, the six months in Europe. What an amazing experience. I'm gonna have to pick your brain on that one too. Yeah. But I, I think you're so right that, you know, so much of the stuff we have, like I, I think about it's my guest room is really the major culprit in the in the apartment. There's so much stuff in there that I don't even I don't even know. I don't miss it. I don't touch it. And also, as I've been decluttering, there have been things I've been finding where I'm like, wow, I, for example, ibuprofen, I have like four containers of ibuprofen that are almost full because I keep buying it and not knowing where it is. So it's it's helpful because you're kind of eliminating that waste and not overspending on all of this stuff, but also kind of getting rid of the things that are just taking up space and taking up that energy. But at the same time, they're they're not doing anything for you. Yeah. So I I think that's so cool. And, you know, being able to kind of cut back and be a little more intentional. How do you become more methodical when you're thinking about what to bring in? Because something that's been part of my decluttering journey is I have a lot of things that I got as hand-me-downs or in college, and now I'm going to be 32. And I want slightly more grown-up things in, in my home, so some things I'm starting to bring back in as I'm getting rid of old things, but others I'm trying to you know kind of avoid altogether, but still went crazy on Prime Day, for example. <laughs> so uh, how do we become a little bit more intentional when we're not only getting rid of things, but figuring out what's going to come back into the house?
1: Sure. So the thing I like to do in my own home, because we actually moved to the house we are in now in November, last November. And so we were living in San Diego, but we were in a townhome and we just got lucky and this opened up. So we moved over here. And so one of the benefits of minimalism is the fact that I was able to pack up our house and move in a very cold quick amount of time. We had two weeks, I think, between um, when we actually signed on the lease and when we moved in. So it was very fast. And then we were able to move ourselves. So that was very helpful. So things like that kind of help me remember when I'm having moments of like, oh, but I really want that thing. But it's like, but the more stuff Mm -hmm. I have, the harder it is to maybe do the things I want to do. So I try to have that vision in my mind, but there is only so much willpower we have. So what helps is having a vision for my house and for my life and like what actually happens there. So in each room, I like to have a purpose for the space and then kind of the emotion we want to feel in that space. And this is something that we do. I mean, it's not necessarily, we don't sit down and do it like a group activity, but I make sure that my um, my husband and our daughter have input in it, right? It's not just my house. It is our house and we all live here. So we all kind of have you know I've asked them like okay well what what do you think this room is used for or, you know what should we do in this room or how do you want to feel in this space so like our living room is going to be more of the gathering space and that's going to have you know we're going to have friends over and that's the first room you see when you walk in our house so we want it to be welcoming and inviting and then you know my daughter's room is playful and you know she wants it to feel comfortable when her friends come over so she needs space to play in there so there are definitely different avenues and things you need to do in the spaces. So you want to be cognizant of that. And that really helps me narrow down what I bring into the space and what I keep in the space. Because knowing what the purpose is for the room, well, then I can not bring the things in there that don't fit that right. So let's use a really crazy example. So I I say this one a lot because it's kind of like a, well, duh moment, but we need some of those to remind us like, because things can kind of come over, right? So like in the kitchen, you're not going to store your pillows and your bedding in the kitchen because your kitchen is the place where you cook. And vice versa, you're not going to store your silverware in the linen closet because that would just be silly. You don't want to yeah. have to walk over and get it from the linen closet. So there are things like this. We have different spaces, we have different zones in our home, and knowing what those spaces are used for, you can say like, "Okay, this doesn't go with this." Or one thing I've always struggled with is like style. Like I'm, I'm not great at style because I like a ton of things like we've been to a bunch of different places. I like a lot of different eclectic mixes of things. And so it can be really hard sometimes when we have different styles that come together. Like we lived, we moved from Chicago where it was very industrial. We lived downtown, you know, lots of like darker colors to California where it's very light and airy and casual. And, and so trying to marry those things, I have to be very careful in trying to redo everything or bring everything in because I don't want to waste all of the stuff we have. So I definitely understand that struggle. And so I'll think of like, how can I redo this lamp to be a little bit more of a mix? You know, I like to do a lot of DIY stuff. um, So I'll like repaint a lamp or I'll do different things or I'll get a different lampshade for it to make it match a little bit more. Or I'm not replacing the whole item. I'm repurposing it. Does that help? Absolutely. And
0: I think style is something that a lot of us struggle with too, because I do definitely have those friends and family members that watch all of the HGTV shows. They know all of the latest trending things, but you know, the styles change all the time. The the white is very in right now, and it was very in when I was probably when I was a kid and there was a period of time where you wanted more of that walnut shade in your kitchen and so whether it was the furniture itself and the styles there or just even figuring out you know am I more rustic am I I had a very beachy themed apartment for a long time and I'm slowly kind of recycling out some of those those colors a little bit and going for more of the grays and things like that but kind of figuring out what that style even looks like for you and you're so right not wasting the things that are still good that we still can use. So, what what are your tips when we're getting rid of things, we're trying to pare back, but there's maybe sentimental value. We're we're trying to we, we have trouble letting go of things.
1: Mhm. Oh yeah, this one I get asked all the time, all the time. I mean, this is the this is the big question, right? So, when it comes to sentimental stuff, I like to try to figure out if it's for one person, right? So let's say you, if you have a lot of things and they all remind you of one person, Well, is there a way that you can pare down and pick your favorites from those? Or are there things that you can use? Like, you know, a lot of the stuff that we got from, you know, like maybe you inherited your grandmother's China or, you know, something that was very well made from way back when. Well, is it something that you can use now and kind of get rid of the plasticky stuff that we've all gotten so used to, all this mass produced stuff? Is it something that you can actually use? I think it's a wonderful way to honor the person in your life and be able to upgrade maybe even some of these old things are actually nicer than the new things we get. Not always the case. So if that's not the case and it's not something that you're going to use, then kind of understand that it's okay to let it go. And also think of it from that person's perspective. Like if let's say, let's just keep using grandma because I think that might be a good example. Let's say grandma died. Well, if you believe in the afterlife and grandma's looking down on you, what is she going to think about this one thing that you can't let go of, right? I mean, she might be like, I didn't even care about that thing. And now, you know, my poor granddaughter can't get rid of it because it was something I had in my house. So also look at things with just that kind of unattached eye to see if it's something that really did have meaning in their life or it's just something that now has attached meaning because it belonged to them. I've read a book called, um, actually, I'm in the middle of just finishing it for a second time, The Gentle Art of uh, Swedish Death Cleaning. If you Mm. have not heard it, um, that is a good one. She is just, she's a riot, The, the author. She's fantastic. And so she's kind of talking about this of like, from the perspective of the person that's older, that's decluttering on behalf of her children, this is also something that we can think of. You know, maybe we don't have children yet, or, you know, maybe we're still young, but is this something that we want to burden our future selves with or burden our future families with? Or is this just something that? We're just dragging around with us because we don't want to actually make the decision on it. So there are some things in our life that we can let go of that really, you know, if we don't like them, don't save them for your potential future children or even the children that you have that might grow up into a phase. They're probably, you know, if you don't like it, it's okay. They're probably not gonna want it either. They're gonna want the new stuff that all the other kids have. So just remember that as we're going through. So try to declutter your sentimental things before they become a burden on someone else. And then if you're dealing, as you're dealing with those sentimental items, see if there's one thing that you can pick to cherish and actually elevate it. And you know use it or display it and actually have those good memories and those good feelings when you look at that one piece versus having a bunch of items shoved in a box in the garage that you never actually see
0: you know that's so true I, I think it, and actually you give the example of the grandmother I got a lot of purses and jewelry from my grandmother and you know her ring that that my grandpa got her in Japan. Mm-hmm. I wear it like when I want to kind of embody her or have like kind of have that little guardian angel feeling throughout the day. And just in general, it's a very pretty ring. But with her purses, it was something I've been going through closets and I found a bunch of the purses. And some of them, I think these would be really fun to wear to certain types of events. And this would actually be very useful as opposed to some of the other bags that I had that that I got that were kind of fun, but kind of cheap and not really as nice. But then some, you know, as much as I liked them, I thought, I can't have this many bags. I'm just never going to use this many. And so we do a handbag auction to raise money for the domestic violence shelter around here. And I thought my grandmother would be so thrilled to know that one of her bags is going to be helping to raise funds for this children's program and kind of giving it almost a purpose so that one of her bags I'm actually gonna be carrying to an event this weekend and it'll be so nice. And I know she always loved seeing the pictures when we would go, you know, to the fancy things. So some of them, you know, still having what's gonna be useful for me. But then when it's a little bit over the top, giving it kind of a purpose, whether it's giving it away or for other things that are maybe not sentimental that I just have around the house. I I don't do a lot of selling, but I did sell a couple of things on Poshmark that were kind of sitting around gathering dust and yeah, I think when they have that purpose a little bit more too, it can make a huge difference.
1: Hmm. I love that. I mean, that is just, what a wonderful way to honor your grandma, both in the fact that you're using them and that idea of embodying her when you wear that ring. And then two, using what she left to really make a difference in the world. I think that's just mwah, fantastic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. I, I always think that she would be so happy with that. And then on the other side of it, because she was someone that really held on to a lot of things. My grandfather, when he died, he was a lot less sentimental. And we knew, you know, that he 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 kind of said, Hey, take what's gonna be useful for you. If it's not useful, get rid. And so a lot of his furniture and things like that, we were able to give to a church down South Florida that had a lot of immigrants coming in that maybe didn't have what, Mm -hmm. you know, what they needed in this country. And so giving it that kind of purpose. And I've been so grateful that as my parents were helping them with my grandfather move to independent living, and then with my other grandparents as well, and seeing the amount of stuff that we all accumulate, they even said, Hey, don't keep anything just on our behalf. And that's such a gift, I think, to be able to do that for kids. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think letting go is, it's really powerful. And Mm -hmm. talk to me about how letting go of the stuff in your home, how does that pertain
1: to your wellness? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, first off, mentally, because I think I said earlier, like, I don't have a very, like, my clutter threshold is pretty low. So when there is stuff everywhere... I feel chaotic, right? And for better or for worse, I grew up in a fairly traditional home and so did my husband. And so we contribute a lot together to the house, but some old habits die hard, right? And so for me, if the house is a mess, It really weighs on me mentally and physically. Like I feel bad. Like I just, it doesn't work for me. And so being able to declutter and let go of stuff has made it so much easier to keep the house clean. It makes it easier to say yes more because if somebody wants to come by or my daughter wants to invite somebody over after school, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, sure, no problem because the house isn't a chaotic mess, right? I don't have as much stuff to pick up. Yes, of course we live here and the house gets messy and that is life, like that is real life, but it's easier to clean. It's easier to keep clean and I'm not constantly like shuffling stuff around because stuff, whether, you know, stuff in and of itself, it's just a thing. It doesn't have emotions. It doesn't have feelings. It doesn't attach, you know, we like anthropomorphize things and we turn them into humans and we say that they have emotions and all this stuff. They don't. But what happens is we live through these things. So we the emotions we put on there, those come back to us. So if you keep things that didn't make you feel great, every time you look at it, you don't feel great, or it's something that you're aspiring to, but you just know you're never going to have the time, well, you're going to feel like crap every time you look at that thing because it's going to make you feel guilty. So you might as well just get it out of your house. And so that is what letting go has left me like... I love the things that are in our house now. And of course, I still have things and I'm always working through things because that's life. We grow. And if we're not growing and we're not changing and we're not taking on new things and new experiences and, you know, our tastes change and styles change. And so, you know, we just have to be cognizant of that. But knowing that that's a process and knowing like right now I have the things in my home that I love and I don't have a bunch of this other stuff just kind of weighing us down. And if something came along, we would be able to make a quick decision on stuff. Like that freedom really plays a big part in our life. And it's something that both directs, both my husband and I, we really enjoy that part. And so that for us is wellness, right? Being able to do the things we want and not overspend so we're less stressed about the money aspect of life because we don't buy a lot of stuff because we know we don't need a bunch of stuff, you know, or we don't want a bunch of stuff. And so that really has helped. Um, as far as wellness, it's really comes down to just the stress and like having a lot less stress in our life.
0: I can definitely relate to that. I, you really know how I'm doing in life if you open a cabinet and things are falling out of it. That's exactly what. <laughs> my, that's probably what yeah. my brain looks like when that's happening, and the stuff being piled up on the counter and. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm big with papers. That's that's a huge one for me, and I'm slowly it, because I always had like the post-its everywhere with lots of ideas, and I'm starting to digitize and do a little bit more to to avoid having all of these things just kind of laying around in different places. And it really makes such a difference. And you know, you're so right, too, with the stress of if someone is in the area, and they say, Hey, can I stop by not having to worry about Oh, my gosh, they know they can't see the place like this. Um, But when you have places for things to go, I think it and that's what I've been trying to do um, is create better systems for myself. And, Mm -hmm. So then it is more of a routine and I know where things are going to go. So for someone that isn't necessarily doing a big decluttering project, but they want to maybe make sustainable changes for every day, what are some systems and what are some habits we can put in place to have as part of the daily routine? Sure. So
1: I actually don't like to do those giant big declutters. Like I like to actually tell people that you should just start decluttering like in really small spurts because it's so easy to see this giant task and just to be like, I can't do it. Shut down. I'm not going to do it. Like, just walk away. Like, throw the towel in. And I don't want anybody to do that because you can make huge changes in very small amounts of time and in with very little effort. So, there are a couple things that will make your life super easy. The first one I'm going to tell you is to do a drop zone. So this helps you be organized at the beginning of your day and at the end of your day. So a drop zone for us is a basket on like, we have a side table when we first come in the door and we have, we can put our shoes on there. So we take our shoes off right when we walk in and we have a basket where my daughter's backpack goes. She takes her lunch out and it goes in the kitchen. I mean, it takes all of 30 seconds. So it, really just helps corral the stuff, right? So now we know where the backpack is in the morning, we know the lunch is in the kitchen, so I can clean it up when I'm doing dinner and I don't have to worry about it right now. The other thing I think people should have in their home is a donation box. And this, I want you to put this in a central location because it makes it easy to declutter as you go. And the reminder of somewhere in a central location you know, it's something that kind of just helps you like, oh, right, it's there. And so it's always kind of top of mind so that when you are just going about your daily routine and going about your life, when you find something that you're like, huh, I don't really need that, you know exactly where to take it. Instead of putting it right back in that box or the drawer or the on the shelf or wherever you picked it up, you can take it right to that donation box. Now, this isn't going to, you know, life change and completely declutter your house. Of course, these are just two really little things that you can do on a daily basis, but it is going to make you start to feel better. It's going to start to make you feel like you're under, like you're in control and you have things kind of moving along in an organized fashion. And then it also is going to just keep that kind of just, it's kind of priming the pump, right? It like gets your kind of juices flowing. You're like, okay, I got rid of that. What else could I get rid of? And so that really. Just, I love these moments of just spark, right? Just start. If we can just start somewhere, it starts to snowball. And then every day as a family, we do a five minute power tidy and we still do it every day. And. This really will start to help like up level that game. And if you can do 10 minutes, I highly recommend doing 10 minutes. But if you only have five minutes, that's going to work too. So how it works for us in our house, one of us will do the dishes from dinner because we always do this power tidy as a family. Like I said, we set the timer, set on some good music and get going. Someone does the dishes because it's right after dinner and it's before we get to do anything fun. So it's before we get to eat dessert or before we get to watch a show or play a game as a family. Like So it's kind of this little moment of pause. And so the Other one of the adults with our daughter will go around the house and we will race to clean up as fast as we can. And whoever wins the race gets to pick a little treat. Maybe it's an extra bit of ice cream, maybe it's extra sprinkles, maybe it's picking the show, picking the game, whatever. You kind of try to dangle a little carrot in front of them, right? If you're just doing this as adults, you don't get to drink that glass of wine until you do your five minute power tidy or whatever it is. You don't get to have the bite of chocolate or the dessert until you do your power tidy. That's your reward. And so This really makes a huge difference. And I know five minutes doesn't sound like a big deal, but being able to like sit down and relax at the end of the day, knowing that you made progress on your house, it is a game changer, I promise.
0: I love that too, doing that before you get to do whatever the fun thing is for you and making it a little bit more of a game because yeah, I even think for adults where there are no children involved, it's still, it makes it kind of fun. It adds a little bit of whimsy to it mm-hmm. because yeah, like it's, it's hard. You see the sink piling up and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I don't want to deal with this, but if you make it a little bit more of a game and you rate one, you know, two people are racing potentially, or yeah, you can't necessarily do the fun thing until, until this is done. And You're so right with the amount of time that these things take, because I read one of Gretchen Rubin's books where she had talked about how she would clean for like 10 minutes before bed and setting a timer and doing that. I'm amazed at how much better a room. And sometimes I've taken before and after pictures of how the room looked. It's it's amazing how much can get done. But when we see it, we think, oh, my gosh, this is going to take me an hour. And usually it's not that bad. Absolutely.
1: And once you do it consistently, like you start to make progress. Like it's not as messy the next day because for whatever reason, maybe you didn't put all of the dishes from the day in the sink. Like maybe you actually cleaned up from the morning because you knew you were going to have to do it again later. And so it just, it kind of, it's a building block. It adds on top, you know, it piles up on top of itself. And it's surprising. Like after the first few days, you're like, oh, okay. You get a little bit more in the routine, you kind of know what to expect, and it goes faster, and maybe you didn't make it as messy during the day because you knew at the end of the day you were still doing this. You kind of give yourself the leg up.
0: Yeah. No, I I love those habits. And I, and I do think having even a drop zone too, that makes so much sense because I know when I come in from work uh, and it's just me at this point, the laptop bag will be on a couch. Some stuff is on the kitchen table, some stuff is on the counter. And then I end up cleaning it all up, but having an actual place for things to go so that my shoes aren't in one place and my um uh, my purse isn't in another place. And you know, what have you, it it makes so much more sense because we are more likely to just drop things maybe on the counter or wherever just in our path.
1: Yes, we all are. I'm super guilty of it. Like I'm one of the worst culprits in our house. So I have to do it in order to get other people to do it. And so, yes. I try to use what works for me. <laughs> Make it easy. <laughs> Absolutely. Now you talked a lot about
0: intention and kind of giving a theme, a vision for the for the room that you're in and what the purpose and the emotion are going to look like. And with this being wellness, I think our kitchen is a major source of stress for a lot of us and that was one mm-hmm. that took me when I when I wanted to do just a few cabinets, it actually ended up taking me a few days mm-hmm. to to really get into it and get the system the way I wanted it to to be how do we create intention there and what are what are some things we should do when when working on specifically on a kitchen
1: so there's like seven zones in your kitchen and so it's like cooking and you know your sharp stuff and your prep stuff and kind of the long term storage and you know kind of your daily stuff and and so i think if you can Zone out where things go in your kitchen. That was a huge help for me. And so I used to have in my drawers, I would have like, okay, all the cooking utensils went in here. And then, you know, I had uh, utensils in this one and all sorts of stuff. So what I did that really helped me was I have one area now for sharp things. And so that seems really silly because you're like, well, don't you put your knives one place and then, you know, your, you know, the shredder one place and then your, um, What's the the box greater? You know, do I put this somewhere? I'm like, no, they all go together. I put them together because I know that's my one space I want to watch out for when, you know, like somebody's shoving their hand in a drawer. I want you to have a sharp one. Okay. That's the sharp drawer. Be careful in that one. Any, any other drawer, fine. No worries. You can jump into anywhere you want and that's fine. So that's something that worked really well for me. And I highly recommend it if anybody is wants to have one drawer where they Just know they need to be careful in there and everywhere else is easy. So that worked well. But what I did was I kind of, I did the same thing. I pulled everything out. And I I actually made a schema, like a just like a drawing of my kitchen and said, OK, I'm going to put my glasses here. And I'm going to put my plates here. I'm going to put our long-term storage here. And this drawer is for the utensils. And then this one's going to have our serving. And I'd like to have a spice drawer. I have yet to be able to figure out how to fit that into our new tiny kitchen. But I have the drawer earmarked if I can get enough stuff out of it to move my spices down. I'm still kind of toying with that myself. But, you know, it's like, okay. so here's like the cleaning section and all that. So I actually mapped it out on paper before I put the stuff back in. And then knowing how much space I had really helped me be able to say like, okay, I've got to decide, do I want to keep this thing and it doesn't really fit in the area where I think it should go? Or is there some other place I want to put it? So it helps you know, like, I only have so much space to work with. Generally, kitchens do only have so much space to work with. And so now that I know where all my zones should be, kind of the best practice places for them, it makes it easier for me to say, like, okay, I only have two shelves. So I've got to decide, does this go or does it stay? Do I have enough room for it or not? And it makes it easier to let things go if you don't have enough space. And trust me, We traveled. So you were jealous about that first time. We actually went and traveled again when our daughter was five for a year and a half. So I will tell you in all the kitchens we came across, you can make it without a lot of stuff. Like I cook, I cook every day. Right now I cook three meals a day, but when we travel, I generally cook one or two. And so it's amazing what you can get away with and what you can improvise and make work. So we don't need all the stuff we think we do.
0: Totally right. I I know that sometimes I'll have someone tell me, you know, you really need to get this kitchen gadget or that, and uh-huh. I really do have to think about: is this going to replace something, or is this just going to take up more space? And I'm going to have to find because, and you know, I'm five foot two, and I'm in an apartment where there uh, most of the storage is kind of high up, and it's not realistic for me if it's up there. I'm never going to use it, so yeah. I have to have enough space in the lower cabinets if it's not going to be available to me then if it's not going to replace something, then I probably am not going to buy it. And I'm going to figure out another way to make the thing and it may not have the shortcut. Or if I really, really need it that badly, it's it's got to replace something else. Something has to go because yeah, there's no way otherwise something ends up in the guest room. And yeah, yeah I, I had a crockpot in the guest room for a long time before I realized that the crock pot could replace something else in the kitchen and the things could be moved around. But I know for me, it's more likely even that I'm going to cook and do more at home if I can find things in my kitchen and they're not falling out of the drawers and that there are logical places for
1: things to go. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like you see all these things, right? You see like you need this. I mean, let's go for the ridiculous ones, the quesadilla maker and the (laughs) pizza spinner. And you're like, "Uh, no, my pizza stone is fine. And I have a skillet and I can, you know, cook it on that or I can put it in the oven and bake it and it all works out just fine. I lived for a toast without a toaster for a long time and was just fine. Me as an adult, that's not a problem with the kiddo. You kind of want to be able to let them pop those eggos in themselves, but <laughs> that's a topic for another day.
0: <laughs> you know, and I saw, you know, during prime day, I was watching all the TikToks with what you should buy for prime day. And yeah, you know, there was a hard boiled egg maker that also, I think, poaches them. There's a bunch of things that will do. And I kept thinking to myself, wow, I really need this. I love my eggs. And aside from the fact I read the reviews, it turns out the thing makes this horrible screaming noise when it's ready. And when I listen to it, I'm like, okay, I definitely can't have this in the house. I'm going to be panicking. But I'm also thinking I I do have a couple of pots. I can hard boil them. It doesn't take that long. And I I know what I'm doing with that. It's stuff that I already have. I can use the pots for other things. Yeah. It's one gadget I don't need. And it's something that I don't need to spend the money on. And again, it's gonna it's gonna start screaming at me as soon as it's That's ready. a
1: perfect example. Yeah.
0: I love it. Yeah. Yeah but it was so tempting. I'm like, wow, this is ready in a couple minutes. I
1: know. Right. Okay. So that's one of my tips, right? You've got to limit your temptation. You really do. We only have so much willpower. We only have so many, you know, so many no's within us to say on a given day. So you've got to try to limit those temptations. So for me, I do a one errand day a week, right? Like that's my day. Like if I, If I didn't get it, then I'm going to have to just wait till next week. And it's shocking how much stuff you can hold off on because we don't actually need that much stuff. Now, I do make sure I always have one item of like really important stuff in backstock. So I always have like one extra deodorant on the shelf and one extra face cream or anything like that, right? The things that I would like run out to the store to get, I always make sure that when I run out of one and I pull the other from backstock, I make sure it's on my shopping list for next time so that I'm never running out um, last minute for things because inevitably you'll think of five other things you need at the store. So I try to limit how many times I go to the store. So one, I don't impulse buy or two, I don't buy the things that we kind of need, but could maybe go another week without. It's been really helpful for budgeting, especially as everything's increasing in price. And I know that people say like, but you should buy stuff in bulk if it's going to go up in price and you use it all the time. And if that's your jam, that's great. But I've found that there's so many times that I don't actually need that thing and I just buy it because I'm like, oh, but I get kind of in panic mode and so like, oh, but I might need it and the price might go up. So I'm just like, okay, do I actually use it? Then I will replace it and it works out just fine. Because I'm such a sucker for Costco when we go down the Costco aisles. I mean, it's like, ching, ching, extra 250 bucks. Like, what did I buy? So I got to try to avoid, avoid, avoid when I can. (laughs) It's like my dad
0: used to say to my mom when we would get these great deals. He's like, the bargains are killing us because you're still, you know, you might be getting a lot of stuff and it's a great price for what it is. But then, yeah, you're spending $250 and you have toilet paper to last you for two years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I I love the book, but you want to be able to close doors to to closets and to be able to find the things too. And so it's it's yeah. such a delicate balance with uh, with the budget and yeah, with everything going up. I love the idea of one errand day a week too. I'm trying to be more intentional with my lists of like kind of what do I like as I'm finding that I'm running low on something, putting that in my Evernote and then having um. When when I do like when when I'm making my list for for the week of what I want to get done this week, trying to incorporate that but a lot of times if I do have that last minute trip to the store I think maybe even the stress of it like oh crap I have to Mm. go get you know bottle of wine because I'm going to this person's house and then I'm like well look I see something that would be a great gift for this person in two months for their birthday and you end up overspending that way too and and I think also just the stress you you end up impulse buying whatever that is and yeah so it makes a huge difference to to come in the days I come in with a plan and I'm actually Intentionally going in for a handful of things for for whatever that is, like I actually leave with the things that were on my list and not fifty other things,
1: right? And right, that stress makes us our brains just do this. So you're not weird, people listening to this. You're not weird. Like this is something your brain does. It says, "Oh, I'm so stressed out. I deserve a reward. Like I deserve something great. Like that's just your brain. That's just what it does." And so a good thing to do would be like, okay what happened? Okay. What did I run out of last time? Like just take a minute and be like, okay, I needed that bottle of wine and that made me go to the store. So next time I'm at the store, I'm going to put an extra bottle of wine on my list. And that way you're not overspending really. You're only buying that one bottle of wine, but you've already, you're already in this mode of like, nope, I'm not buying anything. not on my list. I'm not going to buy anything, not on my list. And then you're not going to have to go to make that emergency stop, and you'll have that one extra thing in stock already. And then that's where you can start to create that back stock on those items that you use all the time, that you're always running out of, and just think. like, And that can be different for anybody. You could be the person that would run, you know, you need to run out because you've gotta get that bottle of wine because you're going to that event. So that's a perfect thing to make sure you have in back stock so that you don't have to make those emergency stops. It doesn't have to just be the boring stuff like deodorant and shampoo. Mm-hmm. Like It's anything that you would go to the store immediately to get. Exactly. Because it's not like I'm going to go into, like if, if I have something that's,
0: it's not going to go bad in the time that I have it. And right. I know that I am going to need it at some point for going to someone's house or something like that. It is going to come in handy and one or two bottles in the backlog I'm not going to be drinking it it's not something that I'm going to be going through before before the time comes and yeah, then I have it there. I'm not in a panic. Or if you get that last minute invite somewhere and you need to bring something to somebody's house, then you, you're you a lot more prepared without, without having a whole refrigerator full of things for just in case X happens or
1: whatever. Absolutely. Right. But and then think about how much stress that takes off your plate too, right? You're like, oh, yeah, sweet. Got the invitation. I don't have to stop. You know, it doesn't take me an extra 30 minutes because I don't have to make the stop. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 Exactly.
0: I love that. I think that preparation is just so, so important. In terms of whether it's minimalism, decluttering, getting organized, what would you say are some of the big mistakes that that we're all making or that many of us are making?
1: Mm, I think I touched on this one earlier when I said that I want you to do it in short spurts because I think we think that it's got to be this giant declutter to make progress. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes I see, right? People are like, oh, I got to declutter my garage and I'm going to take everything out and put it on my, you know, I'm going to unload it all into my driveway and then put back what I, you know, I'm going to get rid of the things. I like to look at decluttering from a space of positivity. What are the things that help me live the life I want to be living? Not what are the things I want to get rid of? Not the deprivation, but what are the things I want to keep? What helps me? live that life of my dream. What helps me, you know what makes me get out of bed in the morning? What would I be jazzed like to see when I first get out of bed? What if there was a fire, is there anything I would be like relieved was gone? That's kind of a fun question to ask yourself because it's a little bit of a of a flip of the question. And so that's kind of the big one. like those big decluttering questions and that giant declutter, that massive amount that you have to tackle, right? Let's make it smaller. The other problem that I see all too often, and I am guilty of this myself, so this is definitely one I've had to work on, is spreading your efforts too thin. So you do a little here, you do a little there, but you never fully complete the project. This is when you have the piles all around, right? You're like, okay, well, this bookshelf is kind of a mess. So I'm going to pull out some books, but you never make it all the way through the bookshelf. And then you're like in your closet that night and you're like, oh, okay, get rid of a couple things here. And so if you're guilty of that, this is where that central donation box comes into play, right? This is really helpful for that. So you have one place to put all of the stuff. And then on that errand day, that once a week errand day, take that box, close it up, and then drop it off when you're out and about. Just get rid of it, get it out, and have it just be part of that routine. And so try not to spread yourself too thin. Try to work on one area at a time if you're trying to be really intentional and declutter kind of in a methodical way. Otherwise, put the stuff in that central donation box and get it out once a week. And then also know that it doesn't have to be this daunting, giant declutter. To make some progress
0: i love that i can definitely relate to the spreading your efforts too thin too i would say my uh my bathrooms and kitchen i did a really good but mm. but i did i i kind of with the bathrooms i took everything out of both and while it ultimately i have much better systems there now it was daunting and my crazy brain was doing it late at night because that was when the energy <laughs> came to do it but um and so that that was great and you know that and the kitchen are now a lot calmer places but my guest room is just piles right now from from that type of thing and and definitely the the giveaways that's that's gotten a lot easier and it's something I'm trying to do maybe every other week but could certainly could certainly add to that I have a, a bunch of things in the car right now that next time I drive near a place I'm going to just be dropping off but yeah I think I think that's so important to have to have that box there or to have you know, a designated space for the things that you want to get rid of, because it it really does, like, I I don't notice it right away, but then I will see, wow, there is actually a lot more space in this area than I thought. And then it would become a lot easier than to work on that particular room or that particular shelf or closet or whatever it is. Definitely those short spurts (laughs) or something that I was doing one drawer at a time. And then those two rooms, I went a little bit crazy, but there was a huge difference in how it got done and um, what my mindset was when I was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's amazing. And I, I really love just the practices and routines you have. I think that this makes it a lot less overwhelming because we do, I think a lot of times when we think about our clutter and the extra things that we have in the house, we feel almost a feeling of guilt, maybe that overwhelm, the, mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's something sitting on my chest sometimes in certain certain parts. Yeah. So I really love that. Now, if you are either for, for those who are listening, who are parents or someone who's maybe moving in with a partner where you have different styles when it comes to stuff and that cleaning and maybe one, maybe you're looking to get into more of that mindset and more of those practices. The other person may not care quite as much about that. Do you have any tips for getting your family or people that you live with on board?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to start with yourself first and you have to have a compelling reason why you're doing this, right? Because I get a lot of people that ask me like, Oh, you know, I just, if I could just get my, my spouse to to declutter, if I could just get my kids to do it. And I'm, I always ask my first question always is, and this is not to be snarky and it is not to be rude, but it is, have you dealt with your own stuff first? And if you have great, then, you know, the work that is required to go into it. But you also might be someone that isn't sentimental or you might be someone that doesn't have, you just don't have issues with clutter. Other people will. And so if you haven't done any of your own stuff first, you have to start there because you can't ask somebody to ask, to walk the path that you aren't willing to walk yourself. I I've just seen it time and time again. When I do my own stuff, the family follows they, they just do. It just becomes kind of the norm, right? It becomes the expectation and other people come along with you. So that is first and foremost. But let's say you have dealt with your own clutter and you are ready now to take that next step. So we got to make it fun, right? We got to make sure that it's not so tiring and taxing. It can't be this giant day of like, we're going to go through all this stuff. And then, you know, three hours in, everyone's like cursing at each other and like m- meltdowns and tantrums. It can't be that. Right. We have to make it a game. We have to make it something that's enjoyable. So people come back. Right. Like you have to remember that these are people, they're people you love. And we have to like be aware of just the source, social norms we would never ask some like stranger to do. We can't ask our families to do that. Right. And expect them to return. It just doesn't work that way. And then my favorite thing is to link it to a family goal. So it's like, okay, if we get this cleaned out, what are we going to do? Like maybe you guys are looking to save up for a new couch or something, but it's like, well, why would we bring it into this messy living room? So let's clean up the living room so we can bring in the new comfy couch. Or we really want to take a family vacation. What if we gathered a bunch of stuff and we tried to sell it? Now, I generally don't sell stuff like because it does take a long time. Like you were talking earlier about the purses you or the things you sold on Poshmark. It's very true because generally the stuff we have is not worth much. It takes a lot to sell. There's a lot of back and forth. But if you have the time and the things are worth a little bit of money, then it is worth doing that. Like right now my daughter is ready to get rid of her Barbie dream house. I know I'm a minimalist with the Barbie dream yeah. house. Don't. Don't ask me. She bought it with her own money. So it was not something we brought in, which I think is a big thing, right? I think we definitely need to give the people in our lives the ability to buy the things they want. It doesn't have to be something we want, but she's looking to sell it now so that she can buy something else with that money. And so that's a big thing that she's going to be able to make some money on and then be able to buy something else. So Bigger things, great. Sell those, link them to a goal. Something you want, something you're all working together to do, I think is a really great way to get people to like buy in, right? It's like you have to get people on board. And so this is going to help. One other thing I like to do is kind of go shopping around your home. So if you say like, this works really well for kids. If you're like, okay, we have room for a hundred things. Here are your hundred tickets post-it notes, by the way, you say, okay, I want you to, and you pull out all the stuff and you say, okay, You get to put a post-it note on anything you want to keep and it depends on how much stuff you have and, you know, obviously make this work with your situation, but they get to go around and put their post-it note on the things that they want to keep because again, we're going from a positive side. Now, once you get, want to get rid of, who are we going to give it to that kind of stuff, but what do you want to keep? What are the things that really make you happy? What do you want to play with? And so that really is helpful in getting kind of that positive side and then also role reversal. Like if you're used to just barking all the orders at your kids, well, they're going to have a really good time if you let them take control and say like, okay, we're going to declutter my stuff. What do you think we should declutter? right? We often as parents declutter a lot for our kids, but it's really eye-opening when you ask them what they would declutter out of your stuff because it's kind of that reversal and you get to see like, oh, that kind of, that might not feel as good as I you know, expect them to be able to do this stuff, but it's kind of hard for me to do it. So I think we just have to just start and start small, get people on board and then try to make it fun.
0: And I love the idea of the role reversal too, because so often, whether it's with kids or even just a partner, when someone else looks at a space, they might have a very different perspective and an idea Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't have. Like I had somebody tell me, You know, I have a desk that's built into my bedroom and I don't love it. It's not in a place with great lighting and I never use it, but it becomes a dumping ground for a lot of things. And I don't have a lot of space in my bathroom. Really for anything, there isn't a lot of storage space. And I had someone suggest to me, why don't you turn your desk area into a vanity? And that it was something I never would have thought of, but having someone telling me, Hey, you could do this. You get space back in the bathroom you don't have this dumping ground in the same way. Obviously I need to figure out what to do with the thing on that desk, but now there's a purpose for an area that, that I have and things aren't getting shoved in places, but really having more of an intention and it, changes the way my morning routine is going to be. I'm waiting on that um, that LED mirror to come. But it makes me excited again about a space. And it's also going to force me to be a little more intentional as things are coming in. Hey, I can't dump this on this desk. I really need to put it in the folder it goes in or throw it away or put the drawer or wherever it's actually supposed to go instead of just this is a surface that things end up on that is
1: stressful to look at. Oh my gosh, I absolutely love that. And then just have an inbox for yourself, right? Like if you know that you don't tend to deal with paper immediately when it comes in and that's just, that's just who you are and that's just going to be your jam, like, I mean, just work with what you got, right? Like just make sure you have a place to put it and then you can say, okay, once a week I'm going to deal with this paper. Like it's okay if you don't, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to work with what we've got, so. Yeah, don't be down on yourself for that. <laughs> yeah, it's just knowing
0: yourself and knowing what's going to work for you because what's going to work for me isn't going to work for the next person. And I'm Absolutely. Yeah, I might just need something to to look a certain way in order for me to have that system in place and to not have the piles of paper that don't ever get looked at kind of scattered around or on those desks or what have you. So yeah, I love the idea of an inbox too. Yeah. Well, very cool. This gives me a lot of ideas on my own decluttering journey, and I'm sure that it does for the listeners as well. I would love to switch gears and just ask you a few rapid-fire questions as well. Sure. Wonderful. So my first question for you, what is your top wellness tip? Drink water. Lots and lots of water.
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. Honestly, like it just helps me so much. Like I could get in the habit of just drinking coffee like all day. And so I just, I have to drink my one cup of coffee and then I have to have a whole bottle of water before I get to drink any more coffee. So it's definitely helped me, keeps my, you know, mind clearer, makes me feel better. It's yeah. Drink drink water.
0: Love that. And I didn't realize how much water we lose at night too. Yeah. We just did a whole sleep episode, and now when I wake up, I'm really trying to be intentional about, okay, did I drink any water this morning? Yeah, definitely great, great tip, something that I need I'm to- I'm going to go check that out. Oh, Thanks yes. for the heads up. Absolutely. Now, where is your favorite travel destination? You've obviously oh. gotten to live in a lot of places and traveled a lot, of- <laughs> so I'd love to know. Um, do you have a
1: favorite from that journey or- um, okay, it's super hard. I mean, yeah. travel holds such a special place in my heart, okay, since it is wonderlust i'm gonna I'm gonna flex a little bit here, so I mean, we've been so many places. My husband asked me to marry him while we were hiking on a glacier in Argentina. We were married on a beach in Mexico. Morocco was super cool. We took our daughter there. It was so different than what we were used to. you know, to get to hear the calls of prayer and you know just all the different flavors and sounds and smells I mean oh gosh, there's so many. Okay. My favorite (laughs) though. I think it has to be Portugal. We loved the beaches of the Algarve. Uh, I mean, it was beautiful water. There was nice sand. I mean, absolutely gorgeous rock formations. I think it's one of the reasons I love San Diego so much. It reminds me a little bit of that, like when we go to La Jolla and stuff. But my favorite part, okay, this part's crazy. There are merchants walking up and down the beaches. Like, you know how they have like merchants with like their ice cream carts? Mm -hmm. These guys have coolers filled with giant cream-filled donuts. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's awesome it's so awesome not necessarily that you want to be eating giant cream-filled donuts in bikinis on the beach but I mean one is worth it I mean you just you gotta it was oh I loved Portugal oh my god so fun
0: that sounds first of all that sounds delicious (laughs) (laughs) I can't say no to a donut on a trip I mean you have to no
1: and like cream-filled my daughter got the chocolate ones I mean they were so good so good
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. So I've already wanted to go to Portugal, but now this gives me <laughs> a new reason. The donuts. That is, that is amazing. That is so cool. And what an amazing yeah. experience that you've gotten to have and that your daughter has gotten to have at such a young age, getting to experience yeah. different cultures and different places that um, she's going to be so grateful for as she grows up and through adulthood, I'm, I'm sure. So
1: I know. We've got to go back because she doesn't remember half of it. So, oh, oh darn. Yeah. Oh, darn. oh
0: no. Twist yeah. my arm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Amazing.
0: Now, if you were an animal,
1: what animal would you be and why? Mm, easy. An eagle. Cool. I love to fly. I love the sky. I could see so many places. I could go everywhere. I wouldn't have to hop on a plane. An eagle. Very Absolutely. Cool. <laughs> very, very cool. um,
0: if you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? Gosh,
1: do I just stick with travel? Probably languages. Languages are really hard for me. I try really hard, but I'm not good at it. And so probably if I could speak a lot of languages, because I think you just have like a much richer experience in life. I mean, locally and traveling and all of it, like, because there's a lot of international people around here. And I just feel like I could just have really cool conversations with people. So yeah, that'd be a fun, that'd be a fun trick. That's awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I wish I could too. Uh, you know, Florida as well. We get a lot of visitors from all over and yeah, I would love to be able to speak more. And it's so cool when you're traveling, when even people treat you differently, yeah. even if you just say a few words in another language and they know that you're trying, but right. it would be amazing to be fluent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: Oh yes. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. How Someday. Cool. Yes.
0: <laughs> Duolingo. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And then my last rapid fire question for you. What's next on your bucket list? Okay, Um, bucket list. Uh, Probably just to get back out in the world. Mm -hmm. Like COVID really threw us for a loop. I mean, it was not great. We had a change in work situation. Uh, We moved, you know, unexpectedly to this house, which has been awesome, but it's bigger. And so now the budget was a little tighter, you know, but I'd really like to travel again. But flights just seem so crazy. So I'm just like, okay. Just bracing myself. Like it just seems so different than when we traveled before. Because before we traveled like in between moves. And so we didn't have a school schedule to contend with. It was just so much different. So now I've got to just wrap my head around this, like rip off the band aid and just get back out there, I think. So that's my bucket list item. Just get back to life. Yeah.
0: I can definitely relate (laughs) to that one too. I've been on one trip, like one round trip on a plane since, um, since 2020 or since really since late 2019 and it's hard with the, you know, the wanderlust, that's something that I miss so much. And unfortunately I did get sick after my last trip.
1: no! (laughs) Yeah,
0: And so I had to cancel the next trip. And so now, um, hoping to, hoping to plan some things soon, but it is, is so crazy having to get to the airport a lot earlier because of all the, you know, the flights. Oh my God. All of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All of it.
0: Yeah. Well, I definitely wish lots of Wanderlust for you. In the, mm, thank you. Yeah. But that's great. I can, again, I can definitely relate to that. Now, Deanna, this has been so fun. I've really found so many actionable takeaways here and I think the listeners will too. Before I let you go, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you offer and how they can find you and connect?
1: Sure. So I am pretty easy to find. My website is wannabeclutterfree.com and you can find me on all the social channels at Wannabe Free. And then I also have a podcast. It's called Wannabe Minimalist and you'll catch new episodes there every week. I do some solo shows. I have guests on as well. We talk about all sorts of things from capsule wardrobes to parenting to being more intentional. So it's a really fun kind of mixed bag over there. And, you know, I'm always chatting about decluttering, or organizing, organizing. As we talked about living clutter free, which I do believe living intentionally kind of helps you be a happier person. And I just want the world to be full of happier people. So I have a bunch of freebies on my website to help you do that. You can power purge, you can get capsule wardrobes, you can get the happier at home guide. There's all sorts of free things over there kind of get you into my ecosystem and, uh, you know, help you out along the way.
0: That's amazing. I'm definitely going to link all
1: of that in the show
0: notes capsule wardrobes. We didn't even get into, but I know know (laughs) Gosh, yeah, that could be a whole episode in itself. I think the closet is an area of, um, of stress for so many of us. So I'm definitely, you know, I'm a huge fan of your show, but I'll definitely be checking out those freebies and I recommend that for, Mm -hmm. yeah, for the listeners too. But Deanna, thank you again so much for coming on the show and for sharing with us today.
1: Oh, Valerie, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. I really had a great time. This conversation really inspired me
0: to get to work on a few of the areas of my home that have been bringing me a lot of stress. And I'm so glad I had the chance to talk to Deanna. I love the systems that she has in place to make this lifestyle a lot easier and to really automate the process of living a more organized, clutter-free life. Since our conversation, I set up a donation box in the apartment in a place that's easily accessible. And this may sound like such a simple step, but it really has me a lot less scattered than I was before. I keep a lot of random little donation bags around the apartment typically, and it can be really easy to lose track of them and forget that I have things to donate. So just even having this centralized box made such a difference for me. I also really love the idea of creating rewards for those power tidy sessions to help motivate us. And I think what Deanna said was so huge that it doesn't always have to be this massive declutter session. We don't have to clean up the entire house in one day but really to create sustainable systems so we're not bringing this clutter in in the first place and so we can do you know, small and steady one step at a time. If you haven't checked out Deanna's show already, I highly encourage you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I've linked all of her information in the show notes so that you can connect with her. And again, I highly encourage you to check it out. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in and sharing this part of your day with me. If you have a topic you'd like us to explore in a future episode, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm on Instagram at wellness and blog, or you can email me at Valerie at wellness and One of the best ways you can lend your support to the show is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in from. It helps other people to find the show better, and it lets us know what you think. It really does make such a difference, and it only takes a few minutes out of your day. So if you are a regular listener, I would really, really, really love to hear your thoughts. I hope you all have a fabulous day and I can't wait to see you for episode 102.